Hello and welcome to Rusted Joke. We are looking at the 1984 comedy Police Academy. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that I'm joined by regular contributor, friend of the podcast. How else can I describe you? Papa Dom. Um, They're like a fringe player in a football team who's, who's made the breakthrough to the first 11. This is back-to-back pod well, now, isn't it? So, yeah. I like to think you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you're a super sub, uh, that you're always part of the team and you come on and then knock it out of the park. I'll, set, I'll settle for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Okay, that's there you go. You're, yeah. you're just, well, no, but I don't want to just equally, I don't want to describe you super sub. Anyway, we need although, to... Although he, he was described as the baby-faced assassin, wasn't he? Whereas he was. I, don't, I don't think time has been as kind to me. So well, I'm not, If somebody I'm not, is, what, is listening on audio and wants to go across to YouTube, go along to YouTube and please uh, tell us the similarities you can see between Tom and, and major football players. Um, but anyway, we are here to discuss the 1984 film Police Academy, starring Steve Guttenberg, G.W. Bailey, Kim Cattrall, Bubba Smith, others. Anyway, here's the trailer. Crime. The city was full of it. Hey, free TV! Desperate measures were needed. Want you to go to the police again. The police academy is such a dangerous place. Honey, don't worry. Desperate measures were taken. I'm joining the police force. The mayor says we have to take this riffraff. I'm trapped here? Oh, yes. We all are. What about guns? When do we get guns? You will be schooled in firearms, police procedures, local laws, and many, many other things. High speed. I need a volunteer. That's me! I love it! I love it! Police Academy. Where did you get this gun? Mom gave it to me. Mister, I am warning you, Hightower! They're lean. Mean. Does the radio bother you? Five. I can turn it down. Obscene. Each and every one of them striving to defend. You make me sick. Thank you, sir. I make everybody sick. See the thighs. Or upend. Come on, come on. I haven't got all day the thighs. And now that they're ready for the real world. is no longer the number one problem. They are. Can you get my kitty cat out of the tree? No problem, ma'am. Police Academy. There's a a lot wrong with that trailer, I think. (laughs) Um, I don't know where to start. It shows you one of the one of the funny scenes in the movies. Um, it, it's just all pieced together wrong. It's just they, they didn't know what kind of hit they had on the hands, so they make that. Whereas when you look at the later trailers for the later films, which we'll get to. Anyway, welcome everybody. Um, uh, <laughs> I guess. We've got a lot to discuss on this film. <laughs> There's a lot to discuss that isn't the film, but it's Police Academy related. Um, so, as ever, let's get, let's get right into it, because I think it's going to be a belt of this one. I really do. 
um, as as I always go last. I was about to say, as I always let guests go first, but Amanda goes first, Joe goes first, Don goes first. I always go last. Uh, one day I might go first. Um, I was about to say come come first, but anyway, go first. Um, if, if you want today to be that day, I'm happy to to defer. You, you can you can go first. No, you it won't be this. It won't be today. Because <laughs> right, yeah. so, I'm because I'm more dying to hear your score than you are mine. All right, all right, okay. Well, and can we have it, halves? Can we have halves in scores or not? I've, I've I've given this a half score. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I think I'm, I'm going to write it down on my hand and I'm going to like show it. All right. So, so I I think this is a, is a really hard film to review. Um, because I think it's a battle between an objective appraisal of its merits as a film um, (laughs) versus how kind of watching it makes you feel and and respond. Because I hate hate this isn't going to be the time you chuck me off the pod, Charlie, but in many, many ways, this is not a good movie. There there was a famous um, Roger (laughs) Ebert review, uh, which which made me smile when I I, uh, read it, which said, part of the quote is it's really something it's so bad maybe you should pull your money and draw straws and send one of the guys off to rent it so that in the future whenever you think you're sitting through a bad comedy you can shake his head and chuckle tolerantly and explain that you don't know what bad is and <laughs> and he's not and he's not alone in in, in thinking it's a, it's a terrible film the way it's edited and directed undermines the jokes and the delivery the whole kind of franchise is a bit of a stark Example of movie studios cynically maximising their profits at the expense of other considerations. So on the one hand, I could, could I could, I'm not going to, but I could easily score this film like a two out of ten. However, there is also a strong case to say this is like a definitive 80s music, uh, movie, excuse me. Yeah. And if you don't love Police Academy, then what are you doing listening to an 80s movie podcast? Because um, that's, that's I remember, fair. I remember watching this film with my family as a kid. And all of us laughing our well, all of us, me, my dad, and my brother laughing our heads off. Um, and rewatching it for this, uh, loads of occasions, just smiling as I was watching it. Lots of nostalgia, but also enjoying the film in its own right. So, look, we'll, we'll get into the, the the strengths and the weaknesses of the film as we talk <laughs> about this. But my overall score for it, considered verdict, seven and a half out of ten. Wow. Okay, that's what I had written down on my hand, which. <laughs> <laughs> but wow okay well um i i agree i i agree with that i probably couldn't put i probably can't put it better than that um i would say this was a hunter family favorite we wore out this vhs you know it was just it was always seemed to be constantly on it always seemed to be we would just reach for it if it was if it was around bearing in mind that we would have got it on video 1984 um and i think paid because if for those for those listeners that uh i don't know under 40 vhs kids (laughs) it was great but if you wanted to buy a vhs copy of something it was 50 quid in 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 that money so whatever it would be now probably 80 i don't know 80 quid or so now equivalent to buy a vhs which is why the rental stores did did roaring trades because you could go there and, and rent it for two quid. Um, but yeah, I, I I I have such fond memories of this film, um, and and we'll get to it. I had fond memories of the later films. However, we will get to that, as in how uh, my rose tinted spectacles well and truly fell off. Um, my score is exactly the same as yours. 
It's seven and a half, which is why I asked for halves. I can't give it an eight. I can't give it less than, I can't give it seven. It, it, it has, it firmly sits right in the middle of the two because you're right. It's not, it's not a good film in the way that Naked Gun, Naked Gun isn't a good, a good film. Naked Gun is a, Naked Gun is an excellent comedy. It's 10 out of 10. Shot, I guess. I guess. Why am I trying to compare Police Academy to Naked Gun? That they they share the same space, but they're not the same film. They're not. They're not shot in the same way. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we'll get to it. But yeah, definitely seven and a half out of ten for me. I think that comparison with films like Naked Gun and Airplane is is relevant as well, not just to benchmark them as a superior. It's probably unwarranted. Comedy. It's probably unwarranted because. We, you know, you and I both, we did the Naked Gun podcast. We both looked at each other. We both kind of knew what we were going to do and say, it, it's, it's 10. It's 10 out of 10. I mean, it, it has to be. Um, and, and the film that, the, the, the film that this film is copying, and there's, and there's so many things that have been stolen and nicked, is um, the 1981 film Stripes with Bill Murray, which we've covered on the on the on the podcast. They they literally lift scenes from Stripes and stick them into Police Academy, and you're like, well, you know, what is it? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Well, but Stripes is a ten out of ten film for me. It, it, it's flawless for me. This two and a half marks dropped. I, th- I think perhaps for your, for our listeners and for this discussion, maybe um, you know flawed films where we uh, you know are less than stellar make it for more interesting listeners. There's more to more to discuss yeah. there. Having said that, I love that naked gun podcast, I, and I love it when when there is a, a huge big loving. Um, case in point, um, I had on at the weekend. I put sh- the sure thing on to watch that again, and. We didn't give scores at that time. That's a 10. I mean, it's just so, so good, the sure thing. But when Amanda saw it, she, she, you know, she was full of praise. I was full of praise. Um, and it, and it kind of worked. But yeah, there's nothing better than when we battle, such as Iron <laughs> Eagle. <laughs> it feels like you've popped your 10 cherry and now you're dishing it out like lollipops mate you well, were a fair, a fair few seasons into the pub didn't you before you uh issued your first <laughs> well we didn't well we didn't issue scores until season three i believe so you know one of the ideas that i had was let's go back and watch the what's not let's go back and watch the films let's go back and, and rate what we would have you know including anybody that joined the podcast at that time um and it is it's kind of like I know, I know what I'd give films that I love, which is why I want to set up the podcast in the first place. I know that I would give Iron Eagle nine and a half. There, there are a few things wrong with it. I know that I give The Sure Thing 10. I know I give The Breakfast Club 10. I know I give Ferris a 10. But that's me cheating because I already know that the reason that they've got such, you know, I've got such love for them. So don't worry, my cherry's not going to be popped too much. I'm just going to keep the 10 in the box with until it's needed. It would be fun to have like a little league table of where the films sit, the, the excellent ones you've done. And some of the yeah. That's, that's an excellent, but okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, I, have to, I have to do a website. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. In a, um, in a departure from the usual much-loved format, I thought it was probably worth just 
uh, going off on a slight tangent just to talk about the kind of r- rationale behind the film and um, hopefully this isn't plundering your trivia time too much. No, but... this is a great idea. We, we well, discussed this think... and I think it's a great idea. As you as you watch Police Academy through with a slightly critical eye, you know, preparing for this, because most people who are watching Police Academy just want a fun, entertaining evening and it duly delivers. But if you kind of you know look beyond the surface, and it is a slightly clunky film, I think, in parts. It's trying to do different things and there's a there's kind of a strange inconsistency to it. And anyway, you know, in preparing, I think understanding the backstory of the film is is relevant to this discussion. Yeah. First thing it's worth noting is that the film's based on surprisingly based on real events. So apparently the producer um, got the idea for the film, filming another film in San Francisco, and, uh, and he said, I noticed a bunch of ludicrous-looking police cadets being dressed down by a frustrated sergeant. They were an unbelievable bunch, including a lady who must have weighed over 200 pounds and a flabby man of well over 50. I asked the sergeant about them, and he explained that the mayor, <coughs> excuse me, had ordered the department to accept a broad spectrum of the academy. We have to take them in, he said, and the only thing we can do is wash them out. So right. he has this idea, he turns it into a pitch, the studio love it, and their eyes light up because they think we've got another porkies on our hands here. You know, this has got the all the opportunity ingredients to be a another kind of standout smash mm. like that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but what happened next was that the studio hired the director, a guy called Hugh Wilson, who wasn't familiar with films of this genre. He wasn't their first choice director. Right. And I think it's a really strange decision, which I feel undermines parts of the film, because basically the studio executives and the directors were trying to do two different things and had two different visions for the okay. film. The studio are trying to make money, like studios do, but in a fairly, you know, you use the word earlier, influenced by, slash right. rip off, uh, you know, successful films in, in similar genres. These films are making a ton of money, let's do it again. The director said, I wanted to go for real laughter rather than go for elements such as gratuitous um, sex and crazy exploits. I wanted jokes which are rooted in reality. And I just think if that's your vision for the film, you're, you're directing the wrong film with, with Police Academy. Yeah. So the director found out that the shower scene, the beach party scene and the um, podium scene, shall we call it, were obligatory. He had to put them in. So he was trying to make, he was trying to stuck with making those scenes as realistic as, and artistic as possible. But clearly, these aren't realistic or artistic scenes that he's no. dealing with. Here. So, um, not artistic. So, the compromise they reached was that they wouldn't actually show any of the gratuitous parts, such as when the police captain gets fired into the rear end of a, of a horse, and <laughs> podium scene is kind of edited in a certain way. Um, but the director's point is that grossness, rudeness, crudeness goes so far before the audience finds it terribly repetitive and, and not so funny. Um, I think my my point here is that I really, really want to see uh, that police academy that's true to the vision of the studio executives. It's not often that you side on the with the money men over the artistic. No, no, absolutely not. But here, I just think they missed a trick. You know, police academy, and we'll get into it, is is a funny, good, solid film. But if it had gone further down that direction, I think, and, and erred less on the director's side, trying to make it realistic and, and plausible you know more gross out humor more nudity perhaps more pushing at the envelope than i think it would have made for a for a better film so the, i think what you've got here is a compromise hmm. and it's a diluted version of porkies i think that that does kind of count against the um the film a little bit and i think that that, that comes down to the director that's where i would point the finger uh, from, from my side wow okay i i didn't know that i didn't i didn't capture that I, and when i looked at the the trivia um so that yeah i, I agree just, i want to see that one 
if, if you watch the film with that in mind, that you know, why does it veer between one thing and another in certain points? I think that's that's the kind of, that's the explanation. So, I mean, you, I mean, there's there's there's, there's ways to look at. I mean, there's ways to look at the film yourself. Is it is this Mahoney's film? Is it is it a journey for Mahoney? You know, and subsequently, you know, the action that's repeated in Police Academy is repeated again in Police Academy Four. Mm. Um, uh, God, it's a dreadful film. But in Police Academy Four, David Spade and yet another unknown actor uh, are skateboarding everywhere. They get pulled up and basically in front of the court and Mahoney steps in and goes, can we take them to the police academy? And you're like thinking, okay, I, I understand that history repeating itself. That That's good. Cause he wants to see them on the same trajectory. They never came back after that film, but, but neither did Steve Guttenberg. So um, he left. Four, four was his last one. Four was his last one. Um, I'm surprised four was his last one. I mean, he should have <laughs> just taken a look at the script. Um, I mean, from, from a rose-tinted spectacles point of view, um, I've always said on this podcast, oh, yeah, the Police Academy films, oh, they're wonderful. You know, they don't get better as they get on, but, you know, they're, they're good enough. One is, one is seven and a half. I don't know what I'd give two, but it's pretty good. I like three. I like back in training. And then you have the appalling Citizens on Patrol, Police Academy 4. The worse than that, Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach. And I'm halfway through, and I think I might just turn it off. Police Academy 6, City Under Siege. The, the, the real the real turkey, though, is the uh, mission to Moscow, isn't it? That's the oh, actual somehow we should lose money. Which has barely anybody in it. On a shoestring, <laughs> Crikey! I was I was about to make the the joke that you know if you want to start war with a with with Russia, just get them to watch a um, mission mission to Moscow. But however, that's probably in a in a not a uh, probably contentious statement to make at this point. But yeah, um, I suppose it'd be less funny with the current regime in place when the police academy takes a dark and sinister edge. But they're so. But they they in fact, do you know what? That's a good time for me to to tell you this, which I which I. Um, which I basically found out about, about the, the films and what and what they did. Okay, so Police Academy cost four and a half million to make. Worldwide gross was a hundred just shy of one hundred and fifty million. Police Academy two, seven and a half million to make. It makes one hundred and fourteen million. Police Academy three, twelve million to make, gets back one hundred and seven million. So far, so good. Hey, everybody. Then it gets to Police Academy 4. 17 million to make, brings in 76. Police Academy 5, 13 million to make, brings in 54. And Police Academy 6, 14 and a half to make, brings in 33. And you think, and I was one of those people that went to see them. I went and saw every, every single one of them at the cinema. And I remember laughing at the time. But it's probably because I was invested in the characters and went, oh, look, whatever they do, you know, oh, there's wacky, wacky people, you know. But, but being that little bit younger than you, Charlie's, I like to yeah, mention. Yeah. I, I didn't go and watch them live in the cinema, but I remember renting on VHS, as you mentioned earlier, watching the first one, then the next weekend being able to rent the second one. I can't, I don't, we didn't get all the way through the franchise, but we must have watched four, perhaps five, back-to-back uh, over successive weeks and, and really wow. enjoyed it. And, 
and obviously you're not a real connoisseur of film at that age but um but yeah really, you know as a family it was a great thing to sit down and watch even though i now look at the first one and, and it's not exactly family friendly but i guess people were more liberal weren't they back in the 80s and 90s absolutely um and i was going to say that the top the top grossing films in 1984 where do you think it fits i think well i, I bet it's top 10 uh in terms of over in terms of take and then i i guess in terms of profitability you know obviously given that it was made pretty cheaply it must probably be one of the most profitable but yeah well it's 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 a i'm gonna i'm gonna see if you can throw out some 1984 films uh and then i'll see if they're on the list i'm I'm on much less firm ground (laughs) all right so i'm thinking it was at the era of the first indiana is that that around then Ah, the second one second one Uh, comes that comes in the number two that took uh, 100 in the just in the US and Canada alone, 179 million. Okay, so talking Indiana Jones, uh, is this too early for Back to the Future? Um, it's one year too early for Back to the Future. Go on, go on, put, put me on my mystery. number one, Ghostbusters, 220 million. Yeah, yeah. Number three, what? Gremlins, 148 million. Number four, Beverly Hills Cop, 103 million. Uh, number five, I know you're going to take the uh. Take the piss out of me, the Karate Kid, with 90, 90 million. Oh, yeah, and number six with a domestic with just the US is eighty one million. It's Police yeah. Academy beating Footloose, Star Trek Three, Romance in the Stone, Splash, Bachelor Party, which is one of my favourite. But I don't like many Tom Hanks films, but I do like that one. Well, nineteen eighty four was a as was like the quintessential year for eighties mass market uh, oh. movie making. There wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's the revenue figures we'll see that you're citing there. I guess I bet profit. I reckon it was in the top top three. It's got to be essential to make. Yeah. So it was, you know, it, it was it, it was popular. Um, maybe because people just wanted that sort of screwball comedy. Beverly Hills Cop is a comedy. But it's also got very dark themes in it as well. Um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the guy's heart gets ripped out. It's it might be a fun rip roaring uh, you know adventure, but there's some really dark stuff in that. So maybe they went, I don't know, should we just switch our brains off for an hour and a half, go watch Police Academy? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. 100%, yeah. Worked at the time. Um <laughs> should we do roll call? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, here's Roll Call. Roll Call. So, I know you've done a list. I know you, I, 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 and I have my I have my favourites out of this list. So let's start with um, who made Steve Guttenberg a star? I've got, I've got to start with an apology because, um, you know, regular listeners will love my Oscars chat uh, where I shoehorned an Oscars record. I thought you were going to do that. No, no, no. No. But even I was defeated with, because believe it or not, and I know this is quite a stretch, but there, there are no people associated with this film who <laughs> remotely near the Oscars, the Academy Awards, BAFTAs, or even got a bronze swimming certificate when they were children. There's just no awards uh, uh, backstory. Here. It must have been a Razzie. There must have been a Razzie, Razzie at some point yeah. for one of them. Negative awards, perhaps I should have uh, investigated wow. that more closely. So yeah, just an apology. No no Oscars banter today, I'm afraid. Because this, this roll call could be fairly slim pickings is my view. Because I think uh, with, yeah. With, yeah, with yeah. a couple of exceptions, they were mainly jobbing actors, weren't they? Uh, well, well, yeah. 
I mean, if Steve Guttenberg, um, I'm not afraid to, to afraid to say I'm a fan of the Village People movie. Can't stop the music. Um, it's it's so I think it's 78. Um, Steve Guttenberg's in that. He's also in Diner, Mickey Rourke, Daniel Stern. Um, uh, he's doing he's doing Cocoon and Short Circuit at the same time because the Police Academy films. There's a I'm I'm surprised any of the sequels hit if I'm really honest, because they made one every year until it started, you know, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89. Then there's a break and then there's 91 for for Mission to Moscow. And you're like, God, they were just churning him out. You know, they never left the, they never left the set. They just kept going. Um, And in between that, Steve Guttenberg must go, do you know what? I think I'm better than this. I've been in Cocoon, Short Circuit which isn't great, but then he has his breakout moment in his mind, I suppose, with three men and a baby and then goes, Oh, that's it. Made it my top of the world destined for greatness. And all he makes after that is three men and a little lady, which is one of those rare, better sequels. Um, I know, I know he's often cited as being the kind of main example of somebody whose career just, you know, died and plummeted. But but it is true, you know, when you when you look at his filmography, then it, it yeah, after nineteen ninety essentially it was it was nothing. And and it's I mean, he's not the world's greatest actor and he's not the world's most charismatic leading man, but he's not hopeless either, is he? And, and you just wonder what what happened, you know, what why it was that, that uh, dried up. Because compared to his peers, if you look at the guys that he's in three men and a baby with, you yeah. know, I, I don't think he's out of his depth in that uh, in that film. So No, not happened? at all. He's very good. I mean, he's he's good in both of those films, which then surprised me. Because then, so when I'm doing my research, you're right, it stops at that time. And he's left with such films as P.S. Your Cat is Dead um, and an and a animated film, which nobody else famous is in, called Heidi Four Paws. And I'm like, when when you fall, Steve Guttenberg, you fall. Now, there will be people listening to this going, hey, whoa, 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 lay off, Steve, lay, lay off Steve Guttenberg. I like Cocoon. There's lots of people that like Cocoon. I'm not one of them, but loads of people like it, and I get it. I understand why you would like it. But it almost feels like the devil appeared at the end of 1990 and went, right, I told you I'd make you a star, and the 90s are going to be great for you. Sign here. And he went, nah. And he went, well... <laughs> Ah, I'm too big to fail. Oh, well, there you go. He, um, let, let's hope he's, he, he burnt brightly um, and faded away, but let's hope he made his money in those six six or seven short years. He did. I'm sure. That, do you know what? I'm looking at this, I'm sure we could do like a separate thing about where, where are they now, but, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, on to G.W. Bailey, um, Captain Harris. Um, I always knew him as Mash from Rizzo. It's a, Rizzo from Mash, sorry. Um uh, Sergeant Sergeant Rizzo. Um, so there's lots of people that appeared in MASH, which is why I think it's, you know, I thank my dad that he gave me an early education by saying, sit down and watch this. You're going to see some very good actors in this. You're going to see some, it's going to be very funny. And he was right on both accounts. But then you look in the 80s and went, oh, look, it's somebody from MASH. Oh, look, it's somebody from MASH. Uh, and because they, they cut their acting chops on, on series like that, which then gave them prevalence in the 80s. Um, he was also in St. Elsewhere, uh, which I haven't watched since it was on, but I remember it was good. 
but I don't think it must have been that good because I, I, I couldn't tell you a lot about it. Um, he also is in short circuit. So we've got Steve Guttenberg and, and GW Bailey reunited. We've also got him in Mannequin, where he plays a security guard, um, reunited with Kim Cattrall. Uh, he's in Ace Ventura 2. Uh, he's in a, a hugely successful series called The Closer, um, which was had about 120 episodes he was in. Never seen it. Don't know. Um, but you mentioned Tom Selleck. He was also in a film called Runaway, which is... Um, uh, there's a documentary called In Search for Tomorrow. Um, if you can find it, rent it. It's five hours long. And you think, wait a minute. And what it is, it's a love of all things 80s. And they just take all of these films, uh, science fiction films, and show you and, and interview the stars as they are now. It's brilliant, especially when they get to Predator and they get Jesse Ventura. And, oh, it's perfect. But they interview... Um, not interview GW Bailey, but they talk about Runaway, which is about where robots are integrated in society, but yet they turn evil and, and stuff. Runaway is a good is a good kitsch film, but but anyway, I'm going to say next Kim Cattrall. I'm going to throw it to you, Dom. So obviously best known for her role in Sex and the City. Um, I, I actually thought it was quite refreshing in Police Academy to see her when she was actually young and attractive, because I've always been a little bit sceptical. I'm not trying to body shame Kim Cattrall. Oh, okay. Who am I to speak? But I've always thought she looked like a bit of a wizened, <laughs> a wizened old drag act in Sex and the City. So to actually see her when she was younger and more beautiful, I think, you know, you, you do you do see... Um, Blimey. She was such a, such a sex symbol, I suppose. But um, yeah, so best known for Sex and the City. I... If I was on it, I, I was racking my brains. What films has she been in? And, I, and of course, I checked on on um, yeah. Wikipedia, but I could only remember her being in Mannequin, which I think she's pretty famous for. Mm. But also, one of my daughter's favourite films. Rose will be listening to this pod with me later. Uh, Horrible Histories, the movie in twenty nineteen, probably not top of anybody else's. I didn't get. I didn't get her in that. Yeah, yeah, she was the mother of um, of the the Roman Emperor. So. Oh, Rose, I'm really sorry for what I'm about to say <laughs> next. I'm really sorry. We didn't like it. We we love the series. Just the film was we nearly walked out of it. Um, um yeah, sorry. Uh right, anyway, moving on <laughs> before I get to I can see the I can I can even I feel the her, evil glare from now. I think I've called her a wizened old woman and <laughs> you've you've slagged off her performance in our horrible histories. So Kim, if you're listening, we don't mean it. Oh we know well. I know she might be good friends with Robert Downey Jr. And we know he listens to the podcast, of course. Um, uh, I, I, I was about to say, I first saw her in um, uh, uh, Porky's, but I didn't. I mean, I saw Porky's later, um, probably three or four years later, where she played um, Lassie um, and she got her name because she, she howled during sex, basically. And she got turned on, she got turned on by men's sweat so if you took her to the locker room it's just like and i remember she looked she looked incredible i i think kim kim Cattrall has always looked incredible maybe not so now maybe not i don't know because i haven't seen but in mannequin she is she looks incredible um she looks really good of course she was also in big trouble in little china with kurt russell um the, the quite wonderful 1992 film split second with rutger hauer she plays his wife. Oh, uh, she's Lieutenant Valeris in Star Trek Six. 
Um, I won't spoil it for you, but she's quite integral to the plot. Uh, she's in the David Lynch series, Wild Palms. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, Dom, Sex and the City and the films. Um, I do, <laughs> I would like you to check out Mark Kermode's review. Just type into YouTube, Mark Kermode's review of Sex and the City 2. Um, well, might be one of my favourite things of all time. Yeah, and no, I have heard it and it's fantastic. Um, yeah. But I think she was only in Sex and the City film Singular, wasn't it? Wasn't she the one that actually had some integrity and didn't go back for the the second one? Uh, I thought she was in the. She was in the. I thought she was in the second one. How, how many have they made? Have they done three? Two. Oh, they've done three. She wasn't in the third. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm mixed up between two and three. And then she yeah. didn't go back to the series because they didn't want her, and the series tanked. <laughs> well, if if you take away the best thing about an, a, a, a TV series, it will tank. And she was the best thing by country mile in, in Sex and City. Is that is that pithy summary of um, Sex and the City, isn't it? Which is four single women acting like four gay men, and that's <laughs> actually makes it pop for Sex and the City, I think. But anyway, she's in stuff that I haven't seen. Uh, a show called Producing Parker was pretty big for her. Uh, a show called Sensitive Skin, and she's also in the, which I assume is the sister or brother show. I don't know what I'm supposed to call it now. Uh, to How I Met Your Mother, um, she's in the Apple TV series How I Met Your Father. Um, so I might go and check it out actually now that I've now that I've written it down you're, you're more of a fan of hers than I'd realised I feel bad uh, with my no friend. I mean I, I just look who had who when you create characters that are iconic is 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 Sarah Jessica Park, Parker an iconic char- character yes I would say so definitely it's Carrie Bradshaw um, a Samantha Kim Cattrall one up and sips uh, I can remember. I can't tell you the other two, and I watched it. Um, so oh, yeah. <laughs> Cynthia Nixon, I think, and the other one. So, so, but but people, what you watched for that? If she's not in it, I'm not watching it. So, whatever it was called, and just like that, or whatever the new series was called, not interested. Um. Bubba Smith, moving on. Uh, uh, we've, we've dealt with the mainstream. Let's go, yeah, let's go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, could you join us for this. Uh, yeah, go go and make a cup of coffee or something and come back. It's fine. Um, or just take us with you. Stick the pods in and ear pods in and take us with you. Uh, Bubba Smith. I've got... <laughs> he was an NFL player, a quite successful one. And he was also in... And I've just bought it on... DVD. I've ordered it from eBay and it arrived last week. Blue Thunder, the TV series. Where he played the character, <clears throat> wait for it, Bubba. Uh, on my notes, I've got uh, also appeared in Blue Thunder, pause for Charlie's <laughs> recollections of Blue Thunder. <laughs> That's it. That's all we've got. I knew you'd be a fanboy, but well, I thought, yeah, you're right. It's a very successful um, NFL player who then went on to star in a you know very successful comedy Hopefully that's where the parallels with O.J. Simpson ended and there was no wife. So it's got a new pod. I mean, he died in 2011. Um, so, yeah, a very, very sad circumstance. I know this is supposed to be an upbeat pod and we talk about comedy, but I, I did make a note of it because it was a bit of a downer. Wikipedia. Bubba Smith was found dead in his LA home by his caretaker in 2011. He died from acute drug intoxication and heart disease. Fentamine, a weight loss drug, was found in his system. His heart weighed more than twice that of an average similar male. Oh, God. 
years old. Yeah, well, there you, there you go. So long and thanks for all the memories, Bubba. But yeah, some way to go out. And far from the only one that um, had less than a happy end to their, their career and their, their life, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we've got um, we've got this coming up. I've got Donovan Scott. Um, he played the um, the rotund gentleman Barbara that got picked upon by the bullies and then then got his uh, comeuppance. Oh, sorry, got his revenge back at the end. Okay, I've got two things. I'll start with the 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 the, the least obscure. He was the deputy in Back to the Future Three. Okay. Okay. okay, but the best, ah, oh, this is great. He starred in the Olivia Newton-John physical video. Let's go <laughs> physical, right? And in the in the credits, he's put as Donovan Scott, guy getting powdered by Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> well, but I mean, there's worse, there's worse things. Yeah. That well, exactly. Yeah. Plenty of us would, would have liked to, but yeah. Um, oh. That's a nice that's a nice counterbalance to Bubba Smith's sad end, isn't it? Absolutely, so, uh, yes. And so we've got a guy getting powdered by Livy Newt John. Um George Gaines, Commandant Lassard. Um <coughs> starred in Tootsie with um uh Dustin Hoffman. He was in one episode of the Blue Thunder TV series, and you're like, Hello, hi Bubba, hi George. Uh but I think he was probably most famous for outside of Police Academy. Uh, the TV series Punky Brewster, which there were like four seasons of. Um, so people probably know him from that and then know him for Police Academy. But I, he's one of my favourite characters in this. Hmm. Do you oh. think so? Because I, I just think he suffers in comparison to Leslie Nielsen, who uh, I just think would have, I think the actual producers or director wanted for this, but couldn't get him. Right, okay. Then, I didn't. I see I didn't get that. And that that would be... Yeah, that would be better. So I think the famous podium scene, if we're referring to that in a family-friendly way, I could. I mean, it was very well done. It made me laugh when I watched it. On, <laughs> it's still good, though. In the day, yeah, definitely. But with Leslie Nielsen's comic timing and uh, and facial kind of acting, I just think yeah, could have that. That'd be that'd be something I'd love to see. Yeah. So uh, more, see, no, I can't. Uh, I can't. <laughs> the sacrilege. I, I I can't replace um, George Gaines on that. It's just so well done. That is just for a moment. Reflect on this slide. <laughs> Take a moment to reflect on this slide. But, what... um, but you, you, you've up, you've upset me um, mentioning that he was in Tootsie. Is that is that right? Yeah? Yes, he was. That was my Oscars moment, wasn't it? Because that, that. Oh was, god, yeah. Was, sorry, it was at least at least nominated, wasn't it? I think, and maybe maybe one. So, oh, well, never mind. You know, <laughs> there, was so, there were so many people in this film. It's impossible to prepare properly. <laughs> if we try and do them all we'll be here forever but um yeah that, that, that was my way in and i missed it sorry whoops uh david graff tackerberry um all i remember him he played sam in the brady Bunch movie uh the remake in the 90s uh the brady Bunch movie which i thought was very good um, he was in the Ferris Bueller TV show, and that's all we'll say about that because I don't want anybody to even Google it. Do not go and Google Ferris Bueller TV show. It, it is a travesty of the worst, and it's it, it's an assault on our family movie. So in the first episode, the guy that's playing Ferris Bueller rips up a photo of Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller. 
breaking the fourth wall. And I go, see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That sounds like a bit of uh, heavy-handed symbolism there. Oh. Anyway, sadly, David Graff died just shy of his 52nd birthday in, 20, in 2001. Yeah, he didn't, didn't, didn't have a good innings, did he? No, not at all. Uh, Leslie Easterbrook. Um, do you know, I've temporarily just forgotten her name and I didn't write it down. Is that, is that Laverne, the one with the, the small voice, the little whisper? No, that's, that's, um, that's Marion. Um, I didn't put her down because she didn't do anything. She literally just did Police Academy. Um, so did Leslie Easterbrook. Um, uh, so it's probably a good idea to move on to Michael Winslow, who also had a film out, um, or a film around the sort of this time in the 80s. Uh, he was the, not only, I mean, we'll get to his, you know, unique abilities, but he was the voice of the Mogwai in Gremlins. I had no idea. But it's him. Uh, uh. Yeah. Well, he is the self-styled man of 10,000 sound effects, isn't he? So He's very yeah. good. Gremlins, uh, Gremlins are in there too. That's good to know. Do you think he does? Do you think he can? I, 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 do you think he can do all of those sound effects? I have to admit, when I rewatched that, I did think, is that, did he do it in dub? Was it dubbed afterwards? But um, no, apparently that, that was him. Um, and he is, because the way he was cast, I think he was like the last person to be cast and, um, and they just shoehorned him in. They hadn't written a part for him. Hmm. But because they knew it was funny, I think one of the producers had seen him in a show beforehand. They just basically created this part for him. And his role in, in this is just really, almost exclusively to make comedy sound effects. And he does it really well. And when I, I remember when I was, watched it when I was younger, he was everyone's favourite character. And everyone thought yeah. it was mind-blowing what he could do. And it is genuinely impressive. But yeah, um, yeah he's had a, a long, happy, successful career out of doing just this. for Absolutely. And I, when, I, when I Googled um, some you know, just to, to watch some sort of stuff behind the scenes. Um, Michael Winslow came up and he was actually on America's Got Talent okay. so, as himself. And he went and, you know, Simon Cowell did the usual, oh, I think I know you. Of course you do. It's Michael Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, don't, don't do that Susan Boyle surprise thing that you, you were told in the, you know, before you sat down in your chairs. Oh, that, that, that gets me every time. If I see Amanda Holden's shocked face one more time, I may just put something through the TV. <laughs> You've got it written down in front of you. You were told a week ago. <laughs> there is no surprise here. I can't believe you're questioning the integrity of, uh, <laughs> of these uh, international talent spotting shows. <laughs> I know. Well, yes. Britain's got talent. Um, and Michael Winslow was also in Spaceballs. Uh, providing his unique abilities again in space walls. I get that. It's fine. Uh, but how the mighty fall again, uh, I look down the credits, uh, 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 films, nothing, nothing, nothing. Sharknado three. <laughs> Sharknado. We all do it. They all do it at some point. J- John heard Kevin McAllister, McCauley Culkin's dad in home alone was in Sharknado one. Tara Reed, who played one of the hot, Hot, you know, girlfriends in American Pie. I remember her. Yeah, yeah, she was in number. Th- she was in number four. Um, well, you, you, you and I'll be in number five at this rate, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've made five and six. Oh, okay. So it's up to number seven now. Um, I would have expected by now a Sharknado defense of some sort, but you know, when Michael when Michael Winslow swerves it, it's time for Dom and Charles. <laughs> that's, that's <pretty laughs> anomaly, yeah? 
<laughs> yes, Sharknado, where careers go to be, well, even more dead than they were before he went in. But oh, anyway, anyway, um, the plot. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there is there is no plot. People people join the police academy and end up thwarting a, a riot at the end. I mean, what can you say about this? Well, it is essentially one joke uh, stretched over <laughs> a nice minute. Normal police people, but they're in a police situation and we're going to put them in a riot, in a street scene, in various training things. But yeah, it's it's simple but but effective. Um, yes. Are we going to go through the... Uh, through the show, or do you want to? Do you want to be? <laughs> no. Like, well, no, because no. well, well, <laughs> there are, there's it's 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 set pieces. It's things you remember. For some people, it's the horse, the scene with the horse. Uh, for me, it's a it's it's a, a joint first between um, the podium scene and the blue oyster bar, which I just think is it's just the it's the gag that keeps on giving. They milk that gag. All the way through the, the police academies, you know, they, even the even the podium, even the 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 hooker, should we call her, the hooker came back in police academy three, and reprised her role again, and you're like thinking, absolutely, if you need something to to remind you how good the first one was, bring, bring them all back. That's fine. The blue oyster bar, to my to my shame, but I mean, you know, when people were growing up, they weren't. I wasn't as. Um, cosmopolitan or, or world of world affair but you would i would always refer to it and say well don't go in there you know da, 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 da. I, knew, I knew you were going to say that i know it, but it's just something that we did i mean we're not proud of it but which, which part of the country did you go to school in uh shropshire but i went to school in yorkshire and we had exactly the same thing so yeah. you know, if anybody suggested anything that was slightly fancy which in yorkshire you know <laughs> pretty <laughs> much pretty much yeah. everything yeah, then it was. Uh, are you off to the Blue Oyster Bar? You know, um, let, let's uh, let's go. Do you want to come round to my house after school? No, no, he's going round to the Blue Oyster Bar. You know, <laughs> okay, or anything um, vaguely effeminate, and, uh, and I don't feel so bad now. No, no, but I think that was like that in school playgrounds. The whole, you know, it was shorthand in this country, and maybe maybe further afield as well for anything <laughs> uh, anything gay. Yeah, but it but it, the gag the gag works. Um, no doubt. They, they've they've got a gag that works. They will milk it dry. But yeah, it's very, it's very, very funny. I think the only thing that made it funnier because they they revisit the even in this first um, yeah. film, don't they? They revisit it, and, and at the end, they're, they're dancing to slow music, and one of the um, one of the policemen's asleep on the, on the show. Asleep with the other one. The other one's eyes open in fear, <laughs> just like exactly. get, get me out of here. Yeah, it would have been even funnier, I think, if he, if if they'd been enjoying it. I don't, I don't mean a really expensive, yeah. but you know, like smart. You know, they'd come to terms with it. But yeah, that was, but yeah, the blue eyes scene, classic, and um, and and, and entered the public consciousness. I think yeah. the, as I rewatched the um, we're going to call her the hooker uh, in this. I, I I thought to myself that they'd really gone for the seedy end. You know, there was no kind of Julia Roberts style trying to dress it up in Bridget. No. It's something more glamorous and. She looked like a genuine. Sexy. She looked like twenty twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, she did. She looked like she'd be at the end of a long shift, really. To be, to be honest, and um, yeah, I thought that was a strange choice. And then, what, what did you think of the actual podium scene then, first time round? Uh, first time round, um, I have to tell you that uh, my uh, 
I'm not going to share too much, but my parents were a bit slight on sex education. Um, so I didn't know why it was funny the first time, the first bit. But then gradually, as I went into the, the you know, I went into the, you know, the school and then went, oh, police academy, yeah, yeah. And then somebody would explain it and you go, yeah, yeah, of course, it's really funny. They did what? Um, so, yeah. Now, I found it funny at the time because everybody else found it funny. And it was his reaction was funny. But now I know it just makes it doubly so. Yeah, well, it, it was funny. He did it well, as I say. In the back of my mind, it was Howard Leslie Nielsen have done it. But what I thought was quite good about that scene is it happens, it's very funny. And then the, unusually for this film, there was like a, a follow-up bit, um, which is he glances over his shoulder, kind of perplexed as to what's just happened, and oh, yeah. he's crawling out from underneath yeah. it. They catch the eye, so there's that dynamic there as well, which I thought was, was, was pretty <laughs> That funny. is good. That, that does make the scene. But that's another example, though, of why, like, we've just talked about two famous scenes, which the director that actively didn't want to include and ha- was was forced to, you know, told it was mandatory no negotiation that they were in there. So I just, I think it's good that the studio held their line with these, um, with these scenes because other famous scenes include the beach, uh, the beach party scene. <laughs> sad, yeah, I love that. Scene, <laughs> which... Tuckerberry's, the, 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 the funniest thing for that is Tuckerberry trying to find, find his mouth with the end of the saxophone because he's just looking at all of this nudity on display. Yeah, yeah, that, that made me... That's, um, fu- that's funny. I, I think, again, growing up in a school in Yorkshire, I assume that's what all, you know, Americans were doing at the party. <laughs> that was what an American party looked like. So everybody goes down to the beach, gets absolutely loaded, and all the women take their tops off. So, yeah. Well, uh, of course, um, while we're on the subject of uh, inappropriate references, um, I'm surprised it's not flagged up. Uh, this film contains dated references uh, to historical names for uh, African American people, um, especially that scene. I, I, I have my own copy, of Police Academy, and so I, I, I'm not a big fan of censorship. I'm, I'm not. Well, in fact, I'm not a fan of censorship at all. It a, a thing would would have been created, whether it's a piece of music, whether it's a sculpture, whether it's a movie. It's created and it's a point in time. Um, you know, Han didn't shoot first in Star Wars, but they went back and just went, oh, I think we need to correct that. No, keep it as it is. That's how it is. Han Solo is a scoundrel, self-styled. He shoots first, of course. In this particular one, it makes me uncomfortable to watch it, but but I always watch it and go, well, it's a thing of the time. I, we're going to find references in this. As we've talked about the podcast, as you and I have talked about, you know, Eddie Murphy uses uses the same sort of language, and you're kind of like, look, it's a product of the time. By all means, I don't want you to have your warnings, but if that's what makes you feel better, then fine. But don't touch it. I got to- I got I got I saw today. I know this is slightly off point, but it's relevant. The ITV have censored the original Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire because it contains a reference when he's fighting in the cage as first first spider-man trying to earn some money he's made his own suit he says down to the guy who made your costume did to the guy did your husband make it ha, 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 ha. then itv have cut the line out completely mm-hmm. and you're like fine we're in this age now where you know it only takes a couple of people to get offended by it but yeah no d- definitely um but i, I think 
police academy is like a, a, an equal opportunities offender. So actually, you know, it doesn't just target um, from black people. It's offensive towards gay people. It's offensive towards the elderly. It's offensive towards women. I think it, I think it's kind of just it has that sort of humour, which clearly isn't going to appeal to everybody. I'm sure there's a reason that Amanda's not doing this uh, podcast. Hmm. This, this evening, but, but women have um, women women have power. Every everyone has their own bit of power. Well, I, I thought that you know, in the kind of ranking, I'm very conscious it's two white middle aged guys talking to yeah. each other about this. So there'll be those who roll their eyes at anything we say here. But there'll be some people who have never watched YouTube and gone, "What two middle aged?" Yeah, sorry. Um, I the, the, the the people who were offensive towards black people were characters who had. Did clearly signposted and supposed to be idiots and, and you know the baddies themselves so any yeah. kind of racial slurs which were issued were by unsympathetic characters yeah. so that makes it okay but that kind of contextualizes it it was more the kind of if, as a, if you're a woman watching this film i think the casual sexism spouted by all <laughs> all uh characters good bad or indifferent um, yeah. would probably be more problematic like the women in it are there's the PT instructor that we've not really talked about yet, who again created a very big impression on me when I was younger. Plus, yes, yes. Charles character as well. They, they are there for, to be eye candy, really. That's their kind of mm. role. That's the extent of it. So I think it's on a sliding scale of offensiveness. It's probably women and homosexual people who get the shortest end of the stick. Really, maybe there's even a bit of a redemption arc for some of you know for Hightower and uh, um, oh, the the policeman with the breathy voice whose name I've forgotten, the policewoman. But I don't think the I don't think the Blue Oyster Bar looks like somewhere you would. It, it would be somewhere that, that if you if you did stumble it by accident, you just end up having a good time in there. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, That's what it tended, yeah. no, but you know, you just it, it, it's just like there's, there's the think, end, when, when we talk the about drops yeah, sorry, isn't it? Steve Gummer gets up at one point and says sleeps for. F word, um, you know, derogatory term for gays, and uh, that that kind of yeah, clearly is a line that wouldn't be uttered these these days. No, absolutely. But you know what? Things are boring these days. So <laughs> that's the date. I'm not I'm not justifying that in in any shape or form. But what I'm saying is, if you've got that on one extreme, and you've got examples, certainly the 80s and the 90s of extreme. Now we seem to have the the other extreme, which is kind of like. The, the puritanical, which is, you know, you can't mention anything like that. I, I you know. No, look, I, th- I think one of the reasons I enjoyed the film was because it, it is of its time. And if you enjoy mm. that time, the 80s, if it, you know, as clearly we both do, it's very evocative. And I think that it is, I don't mean the, the offensiveness is refreshing, but, you know, it's just refreshing to dip back into a into a different time. And yeah, yeah I, I liked it. And I thought it was, it's, it's, you know, it's a very, very 80s film, isn't it? And that, that for me is oh, a absolutely. Film. Yeah, yeah. I can see why some people probably our daughter's generation maybe a bit older wouldn't wouldn't appreciate it absolutely uh you know you've got the lunacy of tackleberry uh, tackleberry's a good character um i think he's uh, i think he's a a strong character in that um they're all supportive of each other apart from the two that that are the you know the bad guys um there's it's a it's a you think, oh, okay, well, we've got some Spanish, you know, we've got a Spanish guy in there. We've got, um, uh, but uh, the, the Spanish guy turns out to be uh, the, George. 
the Lothario. The Lothario, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who, who the instructor, Leslie Easterbrook, I wish I had a name because I'll just keep mentioning it. I think it was... Is it Callahan? I think Callahan. Yeah, uh, she she basically jumps in. Um, so yeah, if you've got a problem with coercion, <laughs> then uh... well, having just had a brief discussion on on sexism, can, are we allowed to say, "Wow, isn't she gorgeous"? In um, as a as a yes. young lad watching this film, she was. Definitely, she yeah. was, and she and in that I scene where she drinks, she takes her, you know, to, the hair's always been up, and you've always seen that. She takes her hair down. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm I'm enjoying this now. There's that scene when she does the judo throw on that guy um, and pins him to the floor, and then asks who's next. And then there's a flood of male <laughs> volunteers, which is just a, you know, it's not even a well written joke, is it? But it does. I think every it'll get a laugh out of every man watching that. Uh, watching that scene, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, from, from a, the, the, the film flows pretty, the, the film flows pretty well. You know, you have this scene at the end with the riot where everyone's, again, where everyone's coming together. If you, if you were watching on YouTube, if you were listening, um, you would have heard, you know, shot, machine gun fire. Um, that was Michael Winslow's character doing that you know, in order to, to get people off the car. If you were watching, then you would have seen that in the trailer. Um, yeah, it, it has an ending, which is, you know, Bubba Smith, because he reacts to the language being used, tips the car over with the guy the guy in it um, and gets kicked out of the academy. And then and then said at the start that he, he'd always wanted to be a florist. You know, I, I, I'm a florist. You know, this is what I, this is what I do, which, which is you know one of those gags is oh yeah, of course you know you're six foot six foot five and of course you're a florist, um, but he ends up being the one saving the day at the end, and you're like, so to to, to go back and say that this film is is full of references that you know would stand up today. Everyone's too good. Everyone's working together. You know. Yeah, look, I um, I, 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 some, I think the best part of the film is is the the start and the, and the middle, and I think when they have to kind of bring it to a conclusion, you know, in a way that other films don't really have that much of a plot. It is more of a sequence of jokes, and then they'll kind of wrap it up at the end. This did try to go a bit more a bit more serious, didn't it, with the, yeah. the riot scene and the hostage scene on, on the roof? And I felt it was it was less successful. But you, you are right, you know, Hightower is the kind of hero of the, the final act, and. Um, and, you know, to your point at the start, is this a Mahoney movie or, or, or not? Well, actually, I think the, the power of it for me is the ensemble cast that they've got. And I think Bubba Smith mm. equips himself really well. I think him and Tackleberry are probably the two strongest, uh, best best written, if you can say that, about a Police Academy film, yeah. uh, characters in, in the supporting thing. I don't think Steve Guttenberg's got the chops to, to carry something like this all, all by himself. So I think he's pretty reliant on, on those. And I think that, you know, Bubba Smith, Hightower does a really credible job uh, in mm. this. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a shame he's not in not in more things. Um, okay, well I think that's that's the film. We've got plenty. I know you've got trivia. I know I've got trivia. But before we go into trivia time, we need to give a nod to three pieces of information that I didn't know about Police Academy. Number one, okay. they made a series in 1988 to 89. There were two seasons of it. They made 65 episodes. It was a cartoon series, which was half the cadets 
and half a group of talking police dogs. Well, I, I mean, you, you're the um, guru su- on obscure TV, but no, I'm supposed to be. No idea. It's, it's it's funny that because you know the UK for our American and international listeners, it was a, it was a kind of TV desert in the eighties and nineties. So you know, very few number of actual channels, no satellites really until much later. So things you know, people used to sit around and watch the same shows and. A common way of filling the schedules was to do cheap American imports, so they would often become quite popular over yeah. here. So something like that sounds like it's got the raw ingredients to actually be popular. You know, it's a successful film franchise which landed well and was, yeah. you know, as we, it's part of the cultural language in the UK for school children at least. And uh, hmm. yeah, so I'm surprised nobody took a punt on that. Uh, but now I've never heard of that before. No, we got we got things like Cheers though. Um, yeah. And if I'm allowed to say it, the Cosby Show, I mean, I love the Cosby Show. So it's a great. It's a great series. Uh-oh, you, you dipped a toe in the controversial water earlier with uh, some of the debate we've had. You're going to stick your whole foot in that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to veer. I'm going to steer the ship away from that now. But yeah, but okay. if it wasn't for Channel Four, I wouldn't have seen an awful lot of this. I wouldn't have seen an awful lot of the, the things going on because the BBC would like, oh, we're not touching that. <laughs> and it'd be lucky. It might go on BBC Two. I know it was the B. I know it was BBC Two that championed Twin Peaks, but again, that was '91. Uh, so it's 1991. Um, that's brave to to take on Twin Peaks because, but Twin Peaks was a oh, I can't say the word phenomenon. Um, I can't say it all in one go. It's my duck word. I can't say it. Please don't write in to say can I say it three times in a row because it would just end up like word soup. It'd look it'd be awful. Um, then <laughs> after the well, I, I assume abomination. I did have a look on YouTube. This one definitely is. They made a Police Academy series, 97 to 98, one season, 26 episodes, where the instructor, Michael Winslow, the captain, and Tackerberry all come back as guest stars in episodes. I knew Winslow would be involved. Yeah. It is <laughs> dreadful. By all means, go and look at the first episode on YouTube. Sorry, they, don't, they, don't, they don't rip up a picture of Gutenberg, do they, on the uh, on the first episode in the nod to uh, the first no. well, it's, it's it's not even fa- it doesn't even feel faithful to the TV series. Of course, all the familiar things are there: the flute music at the start, everything that makes you go, "Oh, nostalgia!" It's great, wonderful. No, just leave it alone. Hey, we didn't pay enough love to that. Um theme music uh, that they have there that, that's you know as soon as you hear it bang back there to where yeah. I, I smile because I'm like thinking oh I'm thinking about something like that and for the last one I didn't write it down so this is probably where you go oh Charles you're actually looking at the camera for the first time I can't master looking at the camera which is which is why I do that but there is if you can believe it a police academy show um and uh Basically, if, if, if the people that know the um, uh, Police Academy Stunt Spectacular, oh, sorry, the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, which was at Disney, um, what, what happened in this was there was a, um, uh, you know, a show that you go and see and there'd be lots of things going on. They did the same for Police Academy. Um, and it's just the fact... This is where I'd want to see Dom's reaction, and I'm gonna I'm gonna flip from reading, and I'm gonna see your reaction to this last bit. It it was at Six Flags Magic Mountain in 1994. It was at Warner Brothers Movie World Germany, and there was a whole plot to it, 
with all the madcap and stuff, and there were stunts in it. But it was also at um, uh, uh, Warner Brothers Movie World in Australia until 2008. And there's me flicking back because there is a... I'm... (laughs) I'm thinking of watching this show in 2007 and you're 10 and you're going, Oh, this would be great. Is it like Indiana Jones in Disney? Uh, sort of. There's fire and cars flip and things like that. And madcap things. People crawl up flagpoles and fall off. Oh, whoops. Comedy sound effect. What's it based on? Police Academy. What? <laughs> yeah. Police, you, you know, Police Academy. Nope. <laughs> Mum, I was I was born in 1997. Uh, well, uh, it's the film, you know, with the guy with the guns and the, the, no. Oh, I guess we haven't seen. I guess we haven't shown you Police Academy. Uh, anyway, just enjoy the show. How many people watch that show and go, I, "What? What are these references? I just don't get it." No, that, that is an obscure... <laughs> an obscure they, close, they close the Jaws ride at, at, at Disney, and yet the Police Academy stunt spectacular went on until 2008. Yeah, no, that's Mad uh, doesn't even cover it. Anyway, it is about that time. I'm going to let you go first, but I am going to introduce uh, Trivia Time. So let's introduce Trivia Time. Trivia Time. So... Dom, what you got? Well, look, I feel like I uh, did um, Bubba Smith uh, a disservice earlier when I lingered on the sad circumstances of his death. So I'm going to remember him in happier times. So when um, when he was in negotiations for Police Academy 7, he became aware that Laverne's character wasn't in the script and then struck up a close friendship uh, working on the franchise previously. So okay. in, in real life, the actress had fallen on hard times financially and so Bubba Smith um, took the principal stand that he agreed to be in the film as long as a part was written for her, which I thought reflected really well on him. What Absolutely. Less well on the producers was they uh, called his bluff, said no, and uh, that hence why Hightower is not in Police Academy uh, Seven. Very but, few, very few people, very few of them are. But he was one of the ones they offered uh, a part, but he refused to do it because they wouldn't write a part for his for his friend who had been in uh, hard times and was suffering. Financially, so I thought, yeah, yeah round, round of applause for, for Bubba Smith. Though. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. I mean, from from a from Mission to Moscow, uh, Michael Winslow's in it, Tucker Berry's in it, Captain Harris is in it, uh, the instructors in it, and uh, Lassard's in it. That's it. There's nobody else. I'm, I'm almost tempted to watch it out of a sense of morbid curiosity. I, you know, I did feel like watching two or three, but. Maybe I'll just jump to that and see just how... I'll let you borrow my copy. Do you want to borrow my copy? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, funny you should say that, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but... Uh, um, yeah, I'll, 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 look. Which would I rather sit through? I don't remember too much about Mission to Moscow, apart from it was incredibly offensive. <laughs> um, but th- that, that might turn out to be funny, because f- four and five, eight, there's, there's not even set. There's not even like set pieces. Assignment Miami Beach is about a swapped suitcase with Lassard, <laughs> right? And the gangsters are, they make the gangsters from you know, Long Good Friday look like, you know, like professionals. <laughs> <Here> we <go. laughs> well, <laughs> it's, 
right, it, right. Weekend at Bernie's gangsters, right? They're not gangsters, you know. They're they're not, but it, it fits with the film, right? It fits with the craziness of, you know, dead guy being, you know, hitting hitting the balls repeatedly. You know, great. But this, oh, five. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to shut up about the later films. I, I guess it's like. I let go. I let go of my nostalgia balloon, and it disappeared into the sky. All right, but just for the record, though, because you know we talked about ranking things earlier. So, in terms of disappointing gangsters, are we saying that Longest Run is beneath Police Academy Five or above it? Above it, Me- meaning that they were it's more better. Oh, they're better, right? Okay, yes. so the absolute rock bottom for oh. you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well. I don't want to be in the same room as you when you're watching Police Academy Five. Then that's uh, yeah, must oh, get edgy. Oh, there was just—it was just a series of disappointments. A series of just being slapped metaphorically around the head, and going, "What were you thinking? Why were you telling people that these are good films?" Sharon Stone's in Police Academy Four, and still, and even that doesn't it barely makes a mark. So, go on. What, what would your if we were scoring Police Academy Five? Are we talking a uh, one, one out of ten? One. Right. Wow. One. Police yeah. Academy. Police Academy Four. Two, so far, so far in six, maybe a three. It's getting slightly better. It's filmed with a different lens, so it looks grittier, but it's not at all. I don't think you ever really forgave me for giving uh, Real Genius a three, did you? Uh, No, I won't, I won't. (laughs) And and you, Joe, listening, I'll never forgive you for The Breakfast Club, so you, you know where I stand on that. You know that's genius, but still, never mind. Or, or you don't, but uh, okay. Uh, so talking about Bubba Smith um, from Trivia Time, we could be going back and forth on this. I, I kind of like the way that we, we, yeah, let's freestyle, you know. Um, the director, uh, Hugh Wilson, stated that when it came time to see, film the driving scene with Hightower at 2.30am, the actor originally cast as the angry driver um, was passed out drunk in the trailer. So the director ended up playing the role of the angry driver that Hightower crashes into because he had nobody else. That was one of the ones that, that I'd seen. Is yeah. that what, yeah, okay. I like that. Hats off to the actor originally employed to be the driver. You, you had one job. <laughs> it's to stay sober. Yeah, I know it's a slightly antisocial hour, half past two in the morning, but you're getting paid for your professional. Oh, no, you're dead drunk in your trailer. Well, fair play. Yeah. Um. Uh, over to you. No, look, I, I feel um, I feel bad. I haven't prepared lots of trivia. I, oh, I, I, thought, you, I thought you had a I thought you had a fair bit. No, oh, no, well, then you know, ones I don't have, then we can we can do it that way. Um, in the DVD making of documentary, which I do remember seeing, uh, Hooks Marion Ramsey, who we didn't talk about because she didn't do anything else apart from Police Academy. Um, uh, she based. Uh, She'd, uh, when she was reading the character, the description of the character in the script, um, and she said that she met Michael Jackson, who attended a stage production of Little Shop of Horrors, uh, in which she was performing him. Uh, so the voice is a parody uh, of Jackson. She also recalls in the moment when Hooks explains, don't move, dirtbag. Um, the sound techs were so used to recording and they turned the levels up because she's so meek, right, that they weren't expecting it um, and said they 
uh, were very surprised when she said the line so loud. What I think by that is, good God, man, <laughs> take off the headphones and throw them to the ground and go, my ears are bleeding. I didn't write this one down, but it does remind me of another piece of trivia about her, which I thought was interesting, was that they put her, she she did the whole film in a fat suit um, because part of the gag on her was, apart from being small and um, frail and weak sounding, she was also overweight as well. Yeah. Um, but she was supposed to kind of shed it all through training. That was supposed to be the gag. So at the end, she'd kind of be the, you know, a slimmer individual and then they lost interest slash didn't think it would work. So, for, and then, so she had to wear a fat suit unnecessarily through the whole of that film. And then through all the subsequent films she was in, she also had to wear it for continuity of character. <laughs> so, uh, that was a bit unfortunate for the poor, poor woman. But there is a scene, apparently there's an outtake in the final scene when they're doing the march, when they're marching at the, uh, the parade that's honouring Hightower, where she's not wearing it. Well, okay. And I, I, I haven't gone back and had a look at that. Hey, this is just a quick departure from trivia time, but that, that yeah. final, very, very end of the scene, uh, film that we talked about there, because hmm. the, the penultimate scene is Mahoney and um, Thompson, you know, the Kim Cattrall character getting together, and it's all very lovey-dovey in their bright futures together. And then the final scene is when uh, Lassar gets his revenge on Mahoney and sets him up with the um, hooker underneath the podium yeah. as well. Didn't you think that was like a weird... Yes, I did. Conflict? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because she, she would have... She, Presumably, I think she was on the stage at that um, time, so she would have seen it. Yeah. Everyone on the stage would have seen it. <laughs> I just thought you've gone from you know setting up your lives together to uh, getting blown in front of your <laughs> classmates. Like, uh, so interesting. Uh, is it a Christmas movie? Uh, because <laughs> well, well, <laughs> do, do you want to go for the tenuous Christmas link? Well, we thought Die Hard was, uh, you know, a debate for the ages. I'm it's, struggling. There's to no happy. debate. It's a Christmas movie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Is this a Christmas movie? I can't think of one possible connect. <laughs> is there a Christmas when movie? When Hooks is driving, she's singing, you better watch out, you better not cry. Oh, yeah. No, no, she is. That, that, that's crunchy. Not, I do But that, that doesn't make it a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's a bit, well. A movie set at Christmas. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. Okay. Yeah. See, see, see how this works. So, so yeah. Okay. I'm getting glimpses into how it works. <laughs> <laughs> You're not in total agreement. I get that. Um. Uh, the original VHS release sold 107,000 copies in the first week of release. This, combined with the 82 million the movie earned in US domestic sales, prompted Warner Brothers to green light. Police Academy 2, the first assignment. I think the piece of trivia is wrong because the film would have been released in 84. Um, again, I'm going to give you a history lesson, kids. You had to wait nine months? Mm-hmm. Nine months for, for, for the VHS, the home release. So this was May 84, 85. The, the film would have the police academy 2 has already been greenlit it's already been started it's you know it's nearly finished by that point so yeah always beware what you read that 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 that, that was a it's it's impressive and i'm sure the 107,000 copies matches up um but but yeah um uh according to Hugh Wilson the director the original script played out at two and a half hours long a Dances with Wolves cut of Police <laughs> Academy. 
he said it was as long as Gandhi. Uh, and he said for a nitwit comedy, that should have been no more than 102 pages. Um, I, I, do think, I do think the editing in the film is a bit all over the place, really. Some jokes are kind of cut short and then you've got... Mm jokes that are interspersed with one another. So I think they had a few issues in, in that department. Yeah. Uh, the piece of trivia that I need to go to is the Blue Oyster Bar and, and how Blue Oyster Bar made, uh, made its first appearance, but it's it's in the Police Academy one, obviously, because it's twice. Um, in the second movie, Sweet Chuck hides in the bar, gets into a brief dance, but manages to escape. Um, they use it three times in the second movie. Um, dealing with the gang and getting thrown out, Hightower beating up the gang members and getting arrested. It appears in there. In the fourth and third and third and fourth film, Proctor, who is the guy that's with um, Lieutenant Mauser, uh, so there is no there is no Harris. It's accidental. Um, uh, yeah, and it's in the fourth film. It they just keep milking it. And I, I, yeah, as we talked about, there's, there's, there's a good reason for that. Um, the composer based Police Academy theme on the theme from Stripes. Yep. Go back and do a Stripes Police Academy double bill and then just go, all right, okay. All right, I'm just going to upset you completely. I think the Police Academy one's more memorable. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and do you know what? You're right. Uh-huh. It is more memorable for, for people, for people that, you know, of a, well, I was going to say of a certain age or something. Stripes are stupid. Then. I thought it was going to come for people who are not connoisseurs. Of no, that. no, no. Well, if you mention, I mean, look at right, look up here for those on YouTube. For those who are listening on audio, I'm pointed at the the pop figures that I've got. All three of those are from Stripes because it's just one of my favourite films. I was about to say, well, they wouldn't make pop figures if it, if it wasn't. They make pop figures for everything. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the slightest, you know, references, which is good for me because I can find I'm waiting for the um, Howard the Duck and Better Off Dead pop figures, um, which will happen, I'm sure, at some and point. An above average film, as we all as we all remember. <laughs> above average. That's uh, thank you, Amanda. Um, but Stripes is the better film. But Police Academy resonates with more people because it was just captured something at the time. It captured lightning in a bottle and became the sixth highest in, in in a tough field. I mean, Footloose, which which would I prefer to watch? Footloose or Police Academy? Two completely different films. All depends upon my mood. Romancing the Stone, not as good as you remember. It's still all right. Star Trek Three. The bad Star Trek films are always the odd numbers. The good Star Trek films are always the even numbers. That's pretty much works. Uh, Star Trek 3 isn't great, but oh my God, it isn't Star Trek 5. Oh my God, that's... Would I, would I rather watch Star Trek 5 or Police Academy 5? <laughs> I would don't, rather don't... watch Police Academy 5. I'll tell you what, if you have contemplating a podcast season on number five in film franchises, I think it's time to pack up the pod and go home because we've run out of ideas. <laughs> What's well, the best fifth-placed film in a franchise ever? I've got a scoop for you at the end of the podcast and a scoop for the listeners. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what the next season theme is. Is it fifth, fifth films no. in a season? <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. Just keep it in the back pocket for, for now. All <laughs> right. Thanks.
Absolutely. Um, uh, I've got one more bit of trivia. Go on then. Go on, because I've got. I think I've got one. Yeah. So um, we, I mentioned her earlier how she looked a bit ropey, but the um, hooker that surprised Commandant Lassard, um in the in the film was played by adult film actress Georgina Spelvin. Again, mm. things not to Google. I think she's probably up there. <laughs> Um, and she re- played this role shortly after retiring from the adult film industry. Yes, and, and I think it kind of, sh- I think it kind of shows really. <laughs> the, the, yeah, there, there is a fine, like footballers, there's a finite time to practice <laughs> to practice your craft. Yeah, <laughs> it's a the, the nice way of putting it. Um, yeah, you you've covered some of the other stuff about the Roger Ebert. Um, I think that's a great. Uh, it's a great. The, the whole reviews were, you know, if any listeners out there, um, maybe put it in the, the Twitter feed, I don't know. But yeah, re- read his zero star review of Police Academy. Because he, he rarely used to give zero stars. It was only if he felt something was actually That's right. really offensive or overstepped the bounds of decency. But so it was really rare for him to give it zero star because it had no merit or, or integrity. But that's, that was his view on Police Academy. And probably a good thing to, to end trivia time on. Um, uh, you can go and look at this on Wikipedia. But the, the Rotten Tomato scores um, uh, are 55%. Um, these are user reviews. 55% for Police Academy. 31% for Police Academy 2. 40% for Police Academy 3. And I'm not joking. Police Academy 4 gets 20 reviews. Police Academy 5 gets 8 reviews. Police Academy 6 gets 8 reviews. And Police Academy, not called Police Academy 7, Police Academy Mission to Moscow gets seven reviews. All of them are naught <laughs> percent. And people have taken, and, and the thing about it is people have taken time to go, I am going to review this, you know, even if it's a, just a pithy, you know, few lines for, for Rotten Tomatoes. They've taken the time to log in to say, I need to, sh- I need to demonstrate the film's naught percent. That's Michael, something. Michael Winslow will be crying all the way to the bank. Poor, yeah, poor well, yeah. <laughs> well, he was on America's Got Talent, so he probably needs a he needs a bit of a. He 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 mentioned in an interview. I seem to remember in an interview that they they want to make a Police Academy Eight with all the people that are still around. So maybe Michael Winslow's agent and Steve Guttenberg's <laughs> agent are going. Yeah, I, I think that ship has sailed. But I think. Um... Do you think it could be, do you not think it could be a viable? I think you could reboot the franchise, but I don't think, I mean, half of them are dead anyway, aren't they? But I don't think you could use the original cast. Maybe you might have a cameo from Winslow. I'm sure, sure he'd chew on his way in. Well, you can uh, still have, yeah. so, wait a minute, you can still have Leslie Eastbrook. You still have Steve Guttenberg. You can still have Kim Cat, like she'd come back, or Sharon Stone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she wants that on her. Uh, hey, kids. You might remember me from such films as Basic Instinct, but <laughs> Police Academy 4 was my... I mean, she started in stuff like Alan Quartermain and The Lost City of Gold, right, in which she was very, very good. And then, you know, she hits it big with Basic Instinct. Or, well, it, with Total Recall was her breakout film. And then... Oh, Sharon Stone is just lovely. But who... Go on, man. Here, here's a little um, quiz for you. So who, who would you have as the... Rebooted cast. I think you'd have to have Ryan Reynolds, somebody like that, in the Steve Guttenberg role. Oh, we're well, we not including the original. Okay, Ryan okay. Reynolds wouldn't do that. You've <laughs> got to find a, you've got to find somebody famous that that is is wants wants to be on the up. 
Yeah, I meant more would, would make a good character as opposed to plausibly his oh, age. Oh, if you were making a per- Okay, well, no, let's do it. Y- your perfect Police Academy film. Okay, goofball. Think- would I go for Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. Surely, surely The Rock in the High Tower. Um, oh, God. No, because then it would remind me of the worst film I've seen in the last year, Red Notice. Oh, Lord. <laughs> have, you got, have you got Netflix? Yeah. Right, well, set a filter on it for red and notice so it doesn't ever appears in your... So you don't even get mildly curious. You yeah, can tell yeah. me you've seen it now, haven't you? No, but you're... Um... It's awful. <laughs> okay. it's, it's, it's awful. We turned it off halfway through. And what? you've got three big stars there. It is the, the, the laziest plot and movie making I've ever, possibly ever seen. I wasn't a fan of that um, Jungle Cruise one that he did either, really. I thought that was a bit... Oh, that was that was Citizen Kane next to Red Datus. <laughs> so, uh, so, I think yeah. Jack, Jack, Jack Black is the um, is the tubby gay one that, that gets chucked off the bridge in the kiosk. Yeah, it's showing a role for him there. Jack Black as the Steve Guttenberg character. <laughs> no, because he's a look... You know, he's, he's got to be the handsome, straight guy, hasn't he? No, he yeah. doesn't... Well, okay. Well, do you know what, listeners? <laughs> let's let's let, I'll put something out on the Facebook. We we do have people that that communicate and and come the Facebook. So I will put that and let's let's see if we can build a uh, a rebooted police academy. Fantasy rebooted academy uh, castless. Yeah, I'm up for it. Yeah, there'll be plenty of tackleberries out there now. So yeah, I'm sure somebody somebody Jason Statham. <laughs> uh, yeah you can have anybody you like it's fine um right well we've reached the end of the podcast i think i told you that, that there would be we'd be, be all over the place i said this at the start i said this to you don before we started recording there's lots of things that we needed to get through um i am going to try and find footage of the police somebody must have taken something at some point of the police academy stunt spectacular which I guarantee is going to be utter waz. But put on your social media. I'll I'll check it out. Oh yeah, I'm going to. I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the first episode of the Police Academy for you to watch the series, and you'll go after after thirty seconds. Yeah, I'm out. I'm I've, I'm out. If it takes you longer than that, then you need to turn the sound up. Because obviously uh, something's missing. Well, to get, so Police Academy, the series that makes you want to tap out, yeah? Okay. <laughs> On that note. On that review, well, exactly. Um, right, do you want to know what season five, six is going to be about? I do. Yeah. Is this the end of... Is this, have we done this Oh, no, 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 yet? this isn't the end. This oh. isn't the end. Um, okay. uh, I've got one more with Joe uh, and another one with uh, Amanda, and then it will be. Um, I... I think oh no i thought i had it to hand and i don't um it's it, it it was and then i cleared this place up um so i'll put you out your misery it's sequels Ooh, sequels now it's very easy i mean when i mentioned it to because amanda said we, we we get to choose the topic she chose cops and robbers for this season i said sequels because it doesn't crammers into one genre but my initial thoughts are we kick off with jaws three in in 3d oh, 
Right. So when you say sequels, you, you mean sequel. right? So it doesn't have to be the second film in the in the no. sequel. So you oh. could have Star Trek Five, but we're not doing not doing that. Okay. No, I mean, um, obviously the 2010. I mean, I, I, I've been sitting here championing 2010 every single chance that I get. And, and I read the reviews for that on Rotten Tomatoes, and they are, I mean, um, Roger Ebert is, falls over himself to say how good that film is. And he's right. It's great. He says it doesn't hold the same intellectual sway as 2001, but what does? I mean, you know, literally, that is, a, that is an epic. 2010 no, does its best. That's a sequel. So, yeah. I think that's a great choice of, uh, yeah, series because the whole thing about the, the classic thing is it's never as good as the, the original, is it? You know, there's yeah. a deteriorating. But so is is that true? Are there examples that isn't true? Even if it's not the same as the first, does it take yeah. a more interesting direction? So, no, yeah, count, count me in. But it's sequels, um, as I say, sequels in the 80s. So you talk about the great sequels, the 70s, Godfather Part Two, great sequels of the of the nineties Terminator two. Um, you can have aliens. Um, you know, there's loads of, pla- there's loads of different places you can go. I will send you a couple of suggestions and I might try. I, to- absolutely. Send me suggestions of things that you'd like to do. Um, Joe, start thinking about it now. Um, because this is the first time I told you, um, the only, the only time I'd said is, is when I discussed it with the man yesterday, I went, do you know what? I want to start with Jaws three. So I said, should we do thrillers? Should we do... And she went, mm, I don't know. I said, well, how about sequels? Yeah, okay. Because she said, oh, so finally we can we can prove that Lethal Weapon 2 is better than Lethal Weapon 1. I went, well, maybe not as obvious as that because we've already kind of mentioned that on the podcast, but it is better. Oh, might, might be fun to, to do one or two that you've done earlier in the, in the series, yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But think about ones that you'd like to do and then... We'll, we'll do it from there, but I will do. But there you go. Meantime, you're going to come up with some. You're going to come up with some obscure. Um, no, no, no. I'll try. I don't know try where you're going to go with this. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Well, you know me too well. I'll try and make it interesting for this one. But it's going to be British, and it's going to be obscure. I might go for French. I might go for European. How how that? For, I might even weave pretentious in there as well. Oh right. Okay. So. What was the sequel to uh, a Buddha Sufa, Breathless? What was, it? What was that? Uh, I mean, I'll probably bastardise that language, but still, um, my pronunciation is not good. Um, I get away with that on swear words because it's describing a action rather than a noun. <laughs> YouTube censors. <laughs> um, anyway, so there we have it. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank Loved you. It. Thanks I love the fact. You. I love the fact that I have a, that I have somebody of your somebody of your caliber. You've been doing the podcast now. I talked about it last time. I'm not going to praise you anymore because I, you know, I think you're amazing. But I have somebody like you to watch Police Academy with and discuss Police Academy, and that makes me extremely happy. So I've had I've had a great time well, watching the film and doing the podcast. So thank you. You're very kind. It's your pod. I love being on it. Thank oh. you for coming in. Thank, You're thank not you going to be special guest anymore. You're going to be part of the, part of, I don't know, what do we call it? Rotation. I don't know. But whatever <laughs> it is. Whatever it is, It's this is great. And we get, we're getting some good numbers now. Um, I think we've got a lift from somewhere, and I don't know where, but we've seen the numbers go, go up. Um, I wish it was as popular as my personal channel on YouTube. 
um, which I post videos of Peter Hook and the like doing Blue Monday. Um, and it's currently up to 12,000 views. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that. But then it has that big thing, which is copyright claim. I go, well, of course it's copyright claim. I'm videoing and performing a song. I mean, literally, you know, so I can't make any money off it. So I don't want to. I just want to share it with the masses. I've got loads of gigs this year this year lined up. So I've got loads of things to put on my personal channel. Um, if you're listening on audio, watch on YouTube. If you watch it on YouTube, watch a bit on YouTube. Watch the rest of it on audio. Watch wherever you like. Contact us on Facebook. Uh, Rusted Junk Podcast. Find us there. Um, love to hear from you. So, yeah, with that, uh, we're, I'm going to say goodbye. Over to you. Thank you, Charles. Thanks, listeners. Bye-bye, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.